Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of He Book, She Book, the pro wrestling podcast where your two hosts book and rebook your favorite superstars and storylines of the past, present, and future. I'm Mike. And I'm Becca. And today we are still dealing with WrestleMania Fallout leading into WrestleMania Backlash in three weeks. We had a lot going on on Raw and SmackDown. But first, we really wanted to get into something we we kind of touched on last week in our WrestleMania review, and that was the many releases of superstars uh, Samoa Joe, the Iconics, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, among others, all released last week. For years, you know, WWE, every kind of spring, right after WrestleMania, they call it spring cleaning, they drop a lot of superstars that they're not really using a ton, and then they're given a 90-day non-compete clause. A few weeks ago before this, Andrade was given his release, and we were told that he doesn't have a 90-day no-compete, but we haven't really seen him yet. I'm a huge fan of Andrade. Andrade has given us a lot of information as to why we uh, hadn't seen Charlotte uh, in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, but any thoughts on any of the people specifically that I mentioned, Samoa Joe, Iconics, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, any thoughts on any of their releases? I think that Samoa Joe wanted to wrestle again. Uh, the WWE didn't want him to wrestle. They wanted him on commentary. They weren't clearing him to wrestle, so he's going somewhere that he can. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pop up at Impact or AEW in the next few months after that 90 days. Uh, same thing with Andrade, even though he's claiming not to have the 90-day, I'm very interested to see where he pops up. He's not done. No. He's no. not done by any means. I think Mickey James is probably done. Um, I think the Iconics are not close to being done. No. I, I'm curious to see if they're going to come back together or if they're going to go and be individual wrestlers somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, the the superstar on this list of names was obviously Samoa Joe. Just a, a legend, really, in terms of, like, independence coming up in Ring of Honor, um, really making a name for himself in TNA. He hasn't ever really reached the heights that he could have because the guy has he has everything. He, he can wrestle with the best of them. He is amazing on the microphone. He's intimidating. He looks intimidating. Remember a few years ago we had um, at the hilariously named Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view we had Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe, and it looked like Samoa Joe actually stood a chance. Like, when you line somebody up against Brock Lesnar, there's not a lot of people that you look at him and say, yeah, this guy can take Brock Lesnar. But Samoa Joe actually looked like not only could he do it, but he wanted to do it. And I don't know about you guys, but Brock Lesnar is probably one of the most intimidating people on the planet Earth. Yeah. Uh, and Samoa Joe did not back down to this guy. And we do know that Brock and Paul Heyman were big fans of Samoa Joe. Uh, There's rumors that Brock was okay with dropping the title to Joe. WWE didn't see it that way. But I think that's the most intriguing one because he was great on commentary. Yeah, he did the interviews. He had a lot of uh, very good interaction with Michael Cole. Uh, we saw him at WrestleMania, announcing WrestleMania. I, I just don't... That one definitely came as the biggest surprise, just in terms of the fact that he was being used. The Iconics, we're huge fans of the Iconics in this household. It, it's it's rough because Peyton wasn't being used. She got a little bit of a... Uh, she got to do the Raw Talk promo saying, give me Asuka, I'm kind of just sitting here. And there was a lot of truth in that segment because she just wasn't being used. And it was obviously frustrating. And she said something along the lines of, if you're not going to use me, let me go. Yeah. And Billy was being used. Not in a, any extraordinary way. She was kind of just a comedy character, but she was still being used. The fact that they released both of them was stunning to me. It makes you wonder if they were like, okay, we're going to give Peyton what she wants. We're going to let her go. And then they turned to Billy like, do you want to go too or do you want to stay? And they just chose to leave together. I... There's no fact in that statement. I don't know for sure or not. It's a nicer story Yeah. <laughs> if they both chose to leave together. But there was obvious frustration from the moment that they were split up. Mm -hmm. And there was no plan, it seemed like, for either one of them after they split up. And it's it's just a frustrating thing, when, especially when you have like those NXT call-ups. Remember Chelsea Green, a few months ago, got called up to WWE... Uh, Chelsea claims that she was going to be kind of like uh, Char Charlotte's protege. Mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. she was kind of following Charlotte around, but then she broke her arm like the same day. And when you have somebody that is listed as uh, quote unquote snake bit, like they're always injured, you usually see them kind of released after a while. That's the reason why maybe it was a smell of Joe's injury history, concussion rumors. WWE really doesn't want to be dealing with any kind of head trauma, uh, especially after Daniel Bryan was forced to retire. He was lucky enough to come back, but we do know that concussions are taken very seriously in all sports now, uh, which is a good thing. But for Joe, he still seemed to have that passion to want to get in the ring. So I'm not upset that he's released because we're going to watch him wherever he goes. The same thing with the Iconics. Whatever the Iconics do is going to be good. It's going to be funny. They're just such a great pairing. Uh, Chelsea Green has all the potential in the world. She's a phenomenal wrestler. She has a character inside of her as the hot mess. Uh, The Mickey James one. Very interesting story. Yeah, we have to get into, if you're following along on Twitter at all, uh, Mickey James tweeted out that she had received her gear. Apparently, you know, when she was released, it was very hasty, so she didn't have time to collect all of her things. And she posted a picture on Twitter with the captions thanking Vince McMahon uh, sarcastically uh, that she finally received all of her things in a trash bag. With her name on it. With her name on it. And, I mean, Twitter had a field day with this because it was obviously so disrespectful to take Mickie James, who is an absolute Hall of Famer in the WWE, one of the better women's wrestlers we've ever seen, especially in the last 20 years. They bring her back. They kind of don't use her that much. She's kind of seen as like, almost like a gatekeeper like this is a great person for you to beat but she's never going to do anything herself which is frustrating and then to release her and send her stuff in a trash bag we we heard that this had happened to multiple superstars over the last however many years triple h stephanie mcmahon john laurinaitis they all tweet out the same exact thing really Mm -hmm. that whoever was uh in charge of doing this whoever the culprit was we'll say has been fired we then found out it was mark carano who was your uh, talent relations person, which the irony of that is hilarious. You'd think a talent relations guy would treat their talent a little bit better. Well, she's uh, not talent anymore. She is not talent. Well, she's talented. She's not talented to WWE anymore. Uh, but Carano is gone. And Carano, we saw him a little bit on Total Divas. Seemed kind of like a creep. Uh, has a little bit of a, uh, a reputation, not a good one. Uh, hopefully, that uh, release sends a message to anybody else in the WWE that is actively disrespecting talent, whether they're released or not. These guys put their bodies on the lines for entertainment, and it doesn't matter what your job is. If you leave your stuff in a locker and they send it to you in a trash bag, that's just, it's flat out disrespectful. But in even bigger news, we have Daniel Bryan talking a little bit about how he might be on his way out. Uh, He's been talking about his contract lately and how he... He said that he felt disassociated in that WrestleMania main event, which is crazy. Uh, But he said that it might be a sign that it's time to hang things up. And then the next week, he's saying that he might want to go to other companies. I don't see the WWE letting him go at all if they can help it. I don't think they're going to let him go. Especially with what happened with Dean Ambrose, uh, otherwise now known as John Moxley. Uh, they really tried their best to keep him. They had so many, like, going away parties and, like, oh, the Shield reunion one last time. I don't I don't know if this is Daniel Bryan. He can't be angling for anything because, I mean, the guy just had the main event of WrestleMania. He doesn't need a larger sum of money, I'm assuming. Like, he's not angling for a bigger contract like how Brock Lesnar used to do. He would always threaten to go back to UFC, and then all of a sudden he's back. The Daniel Bryan one, we're definitely going to be we're going to be keeping you up to date on that as we get more information. That's a really intriguing one. Uh, if Daniel Bryan were to leave, because he'd be by far the hottest free agent to hit the market since John Moxley. So yeah, Andrade, Samoa Joe, Iconics, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, all free agents, all very intriguing to see what they're going to do next. Uh, but what we're going to do next is we're going to cover Raw. So let's let's kick it off. All right, so Drew McIntyre opened Raw by coming out, saying that he had more questions than answers. He wants to know why T-Bar and Mace are now with MVP. MVP is denying that they're all together, even though MVP is 
there with them every time they come out but he's saying that he has nothing to do with them because he has bobby lashley and bobby lashley already broke up the hurt business why would we bring on more people while this is all going down this interaction between mvp and drew mcintyre mace and t-bar come out and attack drew again mvp just stands there watching i don't know how mvp can claim that he doesn't have t-bar and mace on his side when he's basically promoting them attacking him yeah color me suspicious about that one yeah i don't uh I don't know if, uh, God, I don't want to call them Mason T-Bar. It's so annoying to me. They are Dio Madden. They are Dominic Dijakovic. They attack Drew McIntyre last week. They attack Drew McIntyre again this week. And then we have a a, uh, a promo that I had to rewind a couple of times because this promo made absolutely zero sense until the end of it. Yeah, it was very strange how it all went down. So this was a uh, Mason T-Bar comeback, and now they're doing interviews. So it wasn't like back in the uh, when they first debuted, they were kind of not talking to anybody. But like Dominic Dijakovic would do like kind of like backstage, not uh, promos, but vignettes. And they come backstage, and they say that they start to just list animals, cats, dogs, birds. Hedgehog, I think, was in there. Hedgehogs. And then they say Sabertooth Tiger. Dio Madden says Sabertooth Tiger. Dominic Dijakovic says, that's extinct, right? Dio Madden's like, yeah. And Dominic Dijakovic says, just like what we're going to do to Drew McIntyre later tonight. What on earth is he talking about dogs, cats, and, and birds for? No idea. Those things are not extinct. No. We have cats and dogs in the other room. You might even hear them in this podcast. <laughs> it was, this is where scripted promos we need to get rid of most scripted promos. Yeah. No sane person. I get that, like, they're kind of crazy, but they made zero sense in this. They're going to make Drew McIntyre extinct later. That's all we need to know. But, yeah, that's that's not a good way to build up Dominic Dijakovic and Dio Madden by having them say just the dumbest stuff. But later on in the night, we're going to get, like, a two-on-one match between those two and Drew McIntyre. But first, we have... Viking Raiders for Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Now, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander aren't being referred to as the Hurt Business anymore, nope. but they're still tag teaming together. Um, the Viking Raiders end up pinning Cedric, and I don't know what's happening with either team next. I don't think either one is getting a championship match. I don't know what comes next for these two tag teams. Again, this is a example of the WWE splitting up a group and not having plans for that group yeah so we had cedric and and shelton as a part of the her business it was working yeah it was working for them it was working fine they were the tag team champions bobby had the u.s title then moves on to the wwe title like they were winning matches they were a big part of raw they all had gold at some point along yeah. the line they all had gold around their waist mvp with the gold around his neck and now cedric and and shelton are gone from the hurt business but they're still tagging and the viking raiders are back i'm just there's nothing about either one of these teams that i've been given to, to like to care about like wwe has mm-hmm. given us no reason to care about either one of these two teams i get the viking raiders they're they're good they're a good team but they're not interesting whatsoever uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by what shelton and cedric are doing like i wish we'd get some kind of interaction with them like how do you guys feel about still tagging together even though you were kind of thrown together they didn't like each other at first it's just it seems like a mess like tag team wrestling right now in wwe is a mess women's tag titles that we'll get to it's a mess the raw tag team titles a mess smackdown tag team titles have a little bit of something going on uh we'll talk about that later as well but yeah this match did nothing for me yeah i agree and yeah moving on uh, next, we had like a little backstage promo with Randy where, you know, he came out and was like, the Fiend will never be heard from or seen again on w- in WWE as long as I'm around. He's still mad about Drew winning last week. Um, he makes comments again about the Fiend being in his rearview mirror and whoever wins between Drew and Bobby has a target on their back because Randy's coming for that championship. 
And then in rides Matt Riddle on his scooter. He wants to tag team with Randy Orton. He wants to be called the RK Bro. Get scooters with fangs on them. I think Riddle's hilarious. His backstage interactions are hilarious. Randy just walked away. Randy yeah. did not care at all about that. The next time we see Randy, he's walking up to Adam Pierce and he's asking for a match against Riddle. He says, I don't know like who that kid is. He's blonde, doesn't wear shoes, kind of a goofball, rides around on a scooter all day. Doesn't matter. I want a match with him later. They have that match later. Riddle catches Randy's RKO and rolls him up and was victorious in this. And Randy looked stunned. He had no idea how to handle the fact that Matt Riddle came in and beat him. Caught his RKO and beat him. Listen, Randy misunderstood this, <laughs> yeah. this whole situation. Matt Riddle seems like he likes Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Randy seems like the old man that doesn't get the new kid's lingo. I love Matt Riddle. I think he's hilarious. I think he's extremely entertaining. This whole scooter thing. He's just riding past cats. Uh... Just backstage, every like every other segment, it seems like Matt Riddle's in the background riding his scooter. I love what Matt Riddle's doing. What Randy is doing is always going to intrigue me. Always. Uh, I like the idea of Randy and Matt Riddle teaming up and becoming RK Bro, and like Randy being like the curmudgeonly old guy, like he doesn't want to team with Riddle, but like he will team because he's got nothing going on. So if, even if we turn it into a Riddle and Randy feud, which it seems like that's where we're going, because I can't imagine Randy's going to be like, oh, you beat me? Let's team up together. No, yeah, Randy's going to be pissed. Gonna be a feud. And, you know, whatever match Riddle has next, I'm assuming Randy's interfering, RKO out of nowhere. I love it. I love this segment. I love Randy, Matt Riddle. I think it's a great, a great pairing between the two. And it's a unique one. It's one that we haven't seen before. And... Riddle losing the U.S. title so quickly to Sheamus kind of, I thought was going to leave Riddle in a, just in a, like, in a limbo, right? We did, like, where he's not doing anything, but he's just interacting with everybody. He's got mm-hmm. interactions with New Day. He's hanging out with Randy. I, I like it. I'm intrigued by, by what is next for Riddle. I'm not, I've never cared about Sheamus. Yeah, me neither. I've tried, man. I've tried to care about Seamus. I don't think I've even tried, to be honest. (laughs) I've tried. He's great. He hits hard. All of his matches just seem so brutal. But, yeah, he's up next. He's got his little backstage promo with Adam Pearce. He wants to do the open challenge, but not for the U.S. title that I find. It's hilarious because years ago we had uh, John Cena would do the U.S. title open challenge, which was awesome. That's how we debuted Kevin Owens. That's how we debuted Sami Zayn. That open challenge thing was great Sheamus coming in as a heel doing it and saying he'll do an open challenge and he'll fight people but he'll not put the title on the line is a fun little wrinkle into that open challenge because I think AEW is doing a similar thing with Darby Allen as the TNT champion Mm -hmm. where he's kind of doing like an open challenge thing I like the idea of a heel champion doing an open challenge but not for anything it's very interesting now what's not interesting again, as I said before, is the women's tag championships and whatever the hell they're doing with that. Yeah, so next we had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Lana and Naomi. I love Naomi. I really do. I think she's so athletic and I think she's so good. I'm so confused by her pairing with Lana. I get that they're like real life friends and they're funny off script. Like their TikToks are fun to watch or whatever, but I don't like Lana in the ring. I don't think that teaming a not good wrestler with a good wrestler makes for a good tag team. I wish that they did more with Naomi. But in this match, Mandy and Dana came out to distract Nia. Nia starts walking towards them, which gives Naomi the chance to pin Shayna Baszler. So Shayna and Nia lose, all because of Nia being distracted by Mandy Rose and Dana. Yeah, I I don't understand this. They are doing this whole feud on Raw where Nia is feuding with Mandy and and Dana. Like, because, like, Nia was making fun of how Mandy slipped, and now Nia slips every five seconds. Um, it, it This whole feud is just annoying because, again, I don't care about Mandy and Dana as a team. But even that, why didn't we let Mandy and Dana win 
the turmoil then. If we're going to have them come out and distract Nia and Shayna and make it seem like they're up next for a match for the tag team, why didn't we do more with them at the turmoil? Well, what, where's the Riot Squad? We're not doing anything with the Riot Squad either. Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, nowhere to be seen Mm-mm. on Raw or SmackDown. But for some reason, we, we are doing Naomi and Lana. They get a, a weird victory here. Uh, I'm with you. I don't like the Naomi Lana pairing at all. I don't. I'm not as big a fan of Naomi as you are. I think she's great. I think she's fine. She's definitely unique. Uh, she's athletic as all hell. Mm-hmm. Lana, I don't get. I don't get the whole point of why she's even still here. How she survives these spring cleanings. Nothing against the human being behind Lana, but I'm so not interested. She went from the very cold Russian the character. The Russian character was the best character for her. And ever since then, she's been nothing but downhill. And, like, now she's just this smiley, happy-to-be-there partner with Naomi, and that doesn't work for me. Mm-mm. I don't like... Like, if you're going to be a competitor, show that competitive side of her. Like, Lana looks like she's having so much fun, even though, like, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. We, we've been doing this Nia-Lana thing for months now, and I couldn't be more sick of it than I am uh, and that's why we're going to move on from this. Um, I, I can't stand the idea of these women tag titles just being used in just dumb ways. We don't need the tag titles on Nia and Shayna if this is how we're going to use them. Yeah, let's but, put them to use. Let's do something good with them where they're just being used by good teams and we're getting good matches out of it. Right now, we're not getting what those tag teams deserve. No, and it's not entertaining, but you know it is entertaining. The Miz, Miz TV? Miz TV, ladies and gentlemen. The most must-see superstar in all of WWE. The Miz, uh, with his lovely wife, Maurice, coming out and announcing that Miz and Mrs. on what channel is E? USA, I think. On, I'm sorry, yes. On USA, Miz and Mrs. had a great debut. Uh, people are apparently watching it. Miz is happy with that. And Damian Priest is here. So, Maurice ends up defending the Miz when Damian Priest starts just going at him verbally on the mic and then turns around and tells Damian Priest oh you want a match with my husband you get a match with my husband completely blowing the Miz's mind that was not something that was discussed earlier and you could tell by his response uh something that did stick out to me is the fact that once again Maurice is here Mm -hmm. but where is John Morrison at John Morrison's missing where is he don't know interesting very weird uh my favorite part of this segment was one uh beforehand they had the damian priest and bad bunny interview post wrestlemania damian priest i didn't know this very fluent in spanish uh breaks it out in this promo against the miz which led to maurice speaking french hilarious so we got some multicultural stuff going on uh i loved that whole segment honestly i didn't think i would Damien Priest is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some crossover appeal. Vince, the rumor is he's always looking for that Spanish superstar, right? Because that's why Rey Mysterio is still here. We haven't had a real Spanish superstar come into WWE since Rey Mysterio came in. We've had those guys intermittently, Alberto Del Rio, who we would rather not talk about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We had Andrade not being used we have angel garza we have humberto carrillo who we're going to talk about later uh but damian priest just coming up from nxt seems like he has vince's eye so it's going to be interesting it's weird to have damian priest come up and feud with the miz especially post wrestlemania that we're going to do this match again uh we only have like two announced matches for wrestlemania backlash but it seems to me like we're going to be getting damian priest versus the miz even though we have announced now that we have Damian Priest versus The Miz on this Raw, we'll get to that one later because up next we have The New Day versus Elias and Jackson Riker. So Elias ends up pinning Kofi Kingston in this. Um, I I still don't really understand who Jackson Riker is, and I don't know if it's just I don't care about Elias, so I don't care about his friend. And I keep referring to him as Elias's friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he ends up pinning Kofi. and Clean clean it was definitely clean xavier woods is on the outskirts playing a guitar trying to distract elias it doesn't work he wins this match clean so it's interesting to see what's going to be happening next with them uh i'm 
interesting. I don't know if I would say interesting. The problem with Jackson Riker is he really hasn't even been introduced. We haven't mm-hmm. been giving anything uh, like who is Jackson Riker? Why is he hanging out with Elias? He uh, reminds me of Mizdow. Like when Sandow yeah. just was Miz's yeah. little little friend. Like that's yeah. what Jackson Riker reminds me of right Jackson now. Jackson Riker looks too much like uh, Elias. Elias. Mm-hmm. They look kind of like they're just like a like two brothers hanging out. But Elias has a lot of potential. The guy, he has a macho man look to him. Uh, he has an album on Spotify, which is hilarious. I have listened to it. Uh, I encourage everyone to. <laughs> but yeah, Elias and Jackson Riker versus the New Day seem like a interesting, an interesting pairing. But the most interesting thing to me going on on Raw is what we have next. The Alexa Bliss promo popped up next, and it's very interesting because she's on her little playground and... You know, she's still on this, I'm evil, I've always been evil, I didn't need the fiend to be evil, I've had my friend Lily all along. She says that they've been best friends for a long time, they show different pictures of Alexa Bliss as a baby with Lily in the background. Lily is a doll, and the creepiest doll you've ever seen. Very creepy. Uh, The whole segment's creepy. She talks about how... Um, she pushed a little girl at a park when she was a kid, broke her arm, and when the teachers asked why, she said, Lily made me do it. So they're really building up this Alexa Bliss being evil all on her own, but having this Lily doll with her that makes her do these weird, unjust things. Yeah, I, the I was intrigued when we got Alexa paired with The Fiend, and I didn't know where we were going to go with it. There was... You know, people talking about maybe she was Sister Abigail that Bray had talked about years ago. Uh, turns out that's not the case. And now The Fiend is gone. Bray did have a promo last week. He doesn't show up this week, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, but we do get this Alexa Bliss segment with Lily. And Alexa Bliss says that she didn't like that little girl on the playground. And that's why she pushed that little girl. And And Lily didn't like that little girl. And Lily doesn't like any of the girls backstage and she didn't like the fiend and she didn't like the fiend so the fiend went away and i don't know if they're setting up for alexa to have like a a singles run for the title that would be very interesting not so much it doesn't seem like it fits with what's going on with the women's title with the Rhea, charlotte and oscar triangle going on but if we can continue to do these alexa bliss promos backstage for a little while we might have a real, like, marquee match where maybe it's Alexa and Charlotte, or maybe it's Alexa and Rhea, maybe it's Alexa and Asuka. Somebody, some female on that roster is going to piss off Alexa, and that's, we haven't seen Alexa really wrestle in a while. Mm -mm. She's kind of just been the Fiend's friend for a bit. Uh, She had that, like, quote-unquote match against Randy Orton. Loved it. Uh, that was interesting. Um, yeah, big Alexa Bliss fan. She's been killing these promos. She's been very creepy. These, like, the white contacts she has Mm -hmm. in. She's on the swing with Lily. Uh, I don't know where we're going with it, but I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm in. Yeah, we'll see where, where it takes us. Uh, Another backstage moment that happened after that was again with Nia and Shayna because Shayna's pissed that she lost this match because of Nia. I'm pissed that I have to keep watching <laughs> Nia and Shayna with these tag titles. I love Shayna, but she does say to Nia, she needs to get her head in the game or else. And then that goes away for the rest of the night. We don't know what the or else is. Maybe they'll break up. One can only hope. Well, unfortunately, we get to talk about this when we talk about SmackDown because the women's tag titles are on Raw and SmackDown, so we will talk about them again later, much to my chagrin. (laughs) So, uh, next we end up having that Drew McIntyre versus Mace and T-Bar two-on-one handicap match. They have Drew pinned in a corner at one point, and all of a sudden, Braun Strowman's music hits, and he comes out, says, this is not how this is going to go down. Now it turns into Braun and Drew versus Mason T-Bar. Ugh. The masks end up getting ripped off. Drew rips off Mace's mask. Braun rips off T-Bar's mask. And then somehow there's DQ and T-Bar and Mace win this against Drew and Braun. Yeah, I need for the Mason T-Bar names to go away. If the masks are going, 
like they, it should have been immediately they take off i don't know which one is which i know which one is dominic dijakovic i know which one is dio madden i don't know who mace is i don't know who t-bar is but as soon as those masks came off the announcer should have said oh my god that's dominic dijakovic from nxt and that's dio madden who you know we know who he is he was <laughs> never on nxt but we knew he was like in the performance center like it i don't like when announcers don't know the people well the announcers are still making it seem like nobody knows the people they but we said, do though this is the... <laughs> that's my know, point but they said this is the first time we've ever seen them without their masks on i know you were very which is not about... true <laughs> that's a lie the like the the announcers should know the rosters top to bottom yeah they should know everyone that is in wwe raw smackdown nxt like we can't this whole pretending that Dominic Dijakovic never existed is weird to me. Because he had a whole feud with Keith Lee, who is missing. Yeah, where's he at? Talk about uh, somebody that could take down Brock Lesnar. Well, there's... I don't want to get into it too much because he's been very vague online that he's sick. But mm. doesn't say what's going on. I don't want to infer anything. Um, but we do know who Dominic Dijakovic is. Whichever one he is, I don't know. But the masks are off. And hopefully we can now get some background into who these two guys are, why they were in Retribution to begin with, and why they're going after Drew McIntyre. And, you know, how shitty it is that now they have to deal with Braun Strowman as well out of the blue. But, yeah, I mean, it's intriguing. Bobby Lashley was not on this show. No. That's very weird to me. I don't like when we have a champion that's not going to show up. We had MVP here, so he's kind of like the spokesman for Bobby, so it works that way. But, yeah, it's it's weird. I, I'm dreading, like, a Braun versus Retribution match at Backlash. That doesn't sound fun to me. I just eye-rolled so hard. I yeah. do not want that. I don't know what—I mean, we know we're getting Drew and Bobby at Backlash. That's been decided. It's been announced. We know we're getting that rematch. Where Retribution comes in, I have no idea. Where Mace and T-Bar come in, I don't know. I think they would be an awesome tag team. Speaking of how the tag team is in, you know, in a hole right now, the whole division, Dominic Dijakovic and Dio Madden would be a great tag team because those are two big old guys. That double chokeslam looks awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can get them away from whatever the hell is going on here, that's a fun... I actually mentioned this uh, to you, the Ascension. Mm-hmm. Years ago, NXT tag champions, they bring them up to the main roster, and they just get destroyed, right? They end up getting released like a year later. Nothing ever happens with them. This could be a cooler version of the Ascension, where you have two big guys who can who are individual threats on their own, but when you put them together, uh, and we've only seen them together, which is good... I think that that would be an interesting tag team. That's a threatening tag team. We don't have any big guy tag teams because Viking Raiders, I'm sorry, I don't care. <laughs> um, they were the War Raiders, I believe. Yeah, they've had a few different in names, NXT. Yeah, we keep changing their names. It's the thing is we don't have any backgrounds to who they are. Um, I know one of them, I believe it was um, Ivar, has been out for a long time. He got injured last year, and they've just been using Eric in like these weird 24-7 championship run-ins. Um, and how boring is it for your name to be Eric in WWE? <laughs> yeah. Just Eric, that's it. Uh, but yeah, so Dio Madden, Dominic Dijakovic, I'm into them as a tag team, just not as a part of this storyline. I'm interested to see where it is going to go, though, because you're right, they are a, a big tag team, and... Next week, the main event on Raw is going to be a rematch between Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman versus T-Bar and Maze. So, you could be lining this up perfect, where they end up beating Drew and, and Braun, and then in turn go, hmm, we want the tag teams, and go after the tag team championship. We can see where that goes. We don't know where it's going right now, but we'll we'll get there when we get there. The next match that we end up having was Damian Priest versus The Miz. Uh, we talked about this earlier, how it was set up on The Miz TV. Now it's here, it's happening. Maurice gets involved again. She got involved last week too. She gets involved again, but this time Damian Priest ends up winning. So he beats The Miz and 
again. And that was not expected, even though it keeps happening. They're really hyping up Damian Priest, and I am here for it. Yeah, it seems like they've... This is one of the rare instances where you get an NXT call-up and they have a plan. And you can tell the difference between when they do and they don't because when you bring up a guy like when they brought up Aleister Black at first, Mm -hmm. there was no plan. Uh, When they brought up Andrade, it didn't seem like there was any plan. But they bring up Damian Priest and they immediately put him in a WrestleMania match with a celebrity. So you know, obviously, that, you know, they want eyes on this guy. Yeah. So to have him come in, he beats The Miz. Uh, I don't know where we go now to backlash with it. I'm guessing we're going to get Miz versus Damian Priest again there. Maybe Miz can avoid him for the next couple weeks um, with, like, promos and talking trash. Maybe he hits Damian Priest during a match and costs him something. I don't know. I'm intrigued by Damian Priest. I think he'd be, I think he'd be suited better feuding with Sheamus right now for the U.S. title. Um, but we can get there eventually, maybe in a couple months, maybe at Money in the Bank, we can do Sheamus versus Damian Priest. Uh, the sooner we can get Damian in a more, not necessarily high-profile match, but something worth something. Like, there's nothing that you get by beating The Miz. You yeah. beat The Miz. He's already beat The Miz. And he's already beaten The Miz, exactly. So the sooner we can get him into a different feud, I think the better. I think it'd be perfect if we use WrestleMania Backlash to wrap up this this kind of like minor feud and then push him into something with Sheamus would be perfect just because you have two big guys fighting each other is always a draw. Um, But we're going to move on to that because we had Sheamus issue his hilarious open challenge. uh, And we get who, as I mentioned earlier, we haven't seen in a while, Humberto Carrillo. And the bell never rings for this match. Sheamus just starts attacking Humberto and just beats him senseless and then leaves like the match never actually happened so Sheamus is being the perfect heel right now not only did he not want to do the open challenge match but said I'm not going to be guilted into this I'm still going to do it issues the open challenge match not for the title and then doesn't let the match even happen I think Sheamus is going to have a long run yeah I do I don't want it, but I think it's going to happen. I think it's it's smart booking to have a guy like Sheamus who is a brawler, who can issue these open challenges, and just be the hell out of people. Yeah. Because eventually you're going to have somebody that has to come up and top that guy. When you have a heel that's going to be getting this kind of heat uh, by doing these types of matches where he doesn't even let them start, he doesn't even let them get out of the gate, but he just immediately squashes these guys, somebody's going to have to come up and beat Sheamus and I think if we can set it up right to where Damian Priest is a big enough face while beating The Miz who's a fantastic heel if we can get enough of a shine on Damian Priest to get him to that level to take on Sheamus I think that's that's a money match but that's gonna have to be down the road Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're right I think after Wrestlemania Backlash would be a good time to start the process of that not immediately jump into it but to start the process to lead us to Sheamus versus Damian Priest. Yeah, like I would like Damian Priest, and we'll talk about Money in the Bank probably next week. We'll do our Money in the Bank predictions. Yeah. Um, or at least start to get Money in the Bank predictions going on. But I think Damian Priest is a guy that you throw into that match. He doesn't win, but you elevate him by saying, like, this is a guy that could contend for a title just by being in that match. Um, but moving on, we have is are we at the main event? Yes, we are at the main event okay. of the night, which is Charlotte versus Asuka. Now, we didn't talk about this, but earlier in the night, there was a moment where Charlotte was out in the ring, once again out there talking shit about the girls being fake and lame and how she's the best of the best, which she is. Uh, but Asuka interrupts Charlotte, and Charlotte does not let her talk. Every time Asuka says Charlotte, Charlotte starts yelling at her, telling her not to talk. Rhea comes out and interrupts again. Charlotte is not letting anybody talk, and I think that's fantastic. I think she does a great job of just stealing the show, and she's doing exactly what she needs to do for Asuka to then scream over her and scream, I'll beat you, bitch, and then they get the main event of the night. So now here we are, the main event. It's Asuka versus Charlotte, and Rhea comes out and gets involved which leads to Asuka winning. 
Same thing happened last week where Charlotte came out and got involved with Asuka and Rhea. So now Rhea returns the favor and Charlotte goes insane. She just starts attacking everybody, including Mm -hmm. refs. And now she's out on a huge fine and suspended indefinitely. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so this Charlotte, I think, is killing it right now. She is. Um, This whole I'm the opportunity thing, I said last week, I love that line because Charlotte Flair is a marquee name. And if you're not fighting for the title, you might as well be fighting Charlotte. Um, But Charlotte wants the title. And Charlotte is going to go away for the next month, uh, which is good. Yeah. Because she's still going to be in the back of our heads because she's going to be played in whatever, uh, you know, whatever video productions they have for like Asuka versus Rhea, which is what I'm assuming we're getting at WrestleMania Backlash uh, because Charlotte is not going to be back for a month. Backlash is three weeks away. I'm assuming the next night after Backlash, Charlotte comes out, challenges whoever it is, is the champion uh, coming out of it. Um, but we do know that the real reason why Charlotte is out for the next month, according to Dave Meltzer, the preeminent wrestling journalist, Charlotte's getting like a dental surgery or something. So she needed some time off. She's taking the month off, but I wanted to just quick tangent, um, on Twitter, Charlotte called out Dave Meltzer because Dave Meltzer had, Dave Meltzer has had this weird, I don't want to say like bad luck he's put himself in these dumb positions where he comments on women's bodies yeah he puts himself in really dumb positions and he did it with peyton uh and peyton called him out for it and now he did it with charlotte Mm -hmm. saying that she was uh, i forget the wording of it but basically uh something like uh she's subconscious uh so or she's self-conscious he said subconscious he melt he meant (laughs) self-conscious about her body and that's the reason why she's having dental surgery and who cares? Who cares? If she wants to have dental surgery, cool. You don't have to broadcast that, like, because I feel like that's him giving his opinion on why she's getting this surgery. Yeah. She might have a legitimate reason for why she wants to have whatever surgery she wants to have. Who cares? Who cares? Um, but either way, um, big fan of Charlotte and what she's doing now. She's going to take the month off, um, and she's going to come back and she's going to be at the top. Whatever she's doing, she is the opportunity. Yeah. She is probably the biggest name in the women's division outside of Sasha Banks. And I'm intrigued by what happens a month from now. I assume we're going to get Rhea and Asuka, and Rhea's going to come out on top at at Backlash. So we get that Charlotte-Rhea WrestleMania rematch from last year. I'm down. Um, And that's going to be—that's Raw, right? Yeah, that's everything that happened on Raw. Uh, To go into SmackDown now, Cesaro opens the show. And once again— Nobody is letting Cesaro talk. As soon as he gets the mic and goes to open his mouth, Seth Rollins comes out. So last week we had Roman not let Seth, I'm sorry, Roman didn't let Cesaro talk. Now we have Seth not letting Cesaro talk. Then Jey Uso comes out, still no Roman. Daniel Bryan comes out defending Cesaro, saying that Cesaro has worked harder than everybody here. He's worked harder than Daniel Bryan himself, he's worked harder than Roman Reigns, and he deserves an opportunity to beat Roman Reigns. And then Roman does come out, talks a little, leaves. There's still no interaction between Roman and Seth. Um, Seth does make, like, hand gestures towards Roman, like, hey, why aren't you talking to me? That was cute. Um, But nobody really lets Cesaro talk. Roman thinks that Cesaro is dumb for having Daniel Bryan talk for him. Yeah. Um, so Cesaro seems like he is in line for a push here. Yeah. But he's still feuding with Seth. This is, by the way, this segment of, of SmackDown, SmackDown's a two hour show. This segment, uh, including the tag match that we get, which is Seth Rollins and Jey Uso versus Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, this goes about 40 minutes. Yeah. So, all, you know, a, a large portion of this show is dedicated to actual wrestling and Four of the guys, four of the best guys doing it in the business right now, and Seth, Jey Uso, Cesaro, and Daniel Bryan. I love what Seth's doing. This, like, drip god thing he has where he <laughs> just keeps calling Cesaro Zazaro. And just, uh, he walks out on Jay in this match because he, why would he care? He said, I don't need this. I'm Seth freaking Rollins. And yeah. leaves. Yeah, hilarious. The match was great. 
the fallout of it was even better because again Seth just pieces out and then Cesaro just starts swinging Jay right Daniel Bryan grabs the microphone he asks Roman Reigns to come out face Cesaro um Cesaro deserves it he says that nobody has worked harder than Cesaro uh he actually said at one point that uh he he wants to help Cesaro get the championship title opportunity because he deserves it and that he would never do that for Seth Rollins (laughs) and Seth Rollins says that's because you don't need to yeah, I don't Hilarious. need you to. Yeah. Uh, and then we get, you know, Daniel Bryan is saying Cesaro deserves it. Cesaro just starts swinging Jay Uso, hoping that maybe Roman will come out and save his cousin because Roman's whole gimmick is that he's the head of the table. He's the tribal chief. He is, you know, family first. And Roman never comes out. No, the whole time Daniel Bryan is taunting Roman. Uh, Cesaro stops swinging Jey Uso, and then Roman turns. Or, I'm sorry. Then Daniel Bryan turns around and goes, "Roman, are you that family man? Maybe we should swing him again." And they start, or Cesaro starts swinging Jey Uso again, and Roman never comes out. No, he never came out for that. Later in the night, we do get Roman. Uh, Paul Heyman eventually makes a statement that Paul or that. Roman will be coming out later to talk, but he never comes out to save his cousin, even though, like Daniel said, mid-taunt, that Jay has saved him every time. Every time he needs a saving, Jay is there. But Jay is the right-hand man. Yes. Right? Says it on his shirt. Yes. Uh, Jay Uso is basically the fall guy for Roman Reigns. Like, whenever somebody has to take a beating, they're not going to have Roman Reigns take that beating. It's Jay Uso. And it's it's working well for them as like a, as a unit with Paul Heyman. Uh, Paul Heyman's like the legal counsel here. He, yeah, he says that some, that Roman's going to come out and address Cesaro's challenge later in the night. But I want before we get to that, I want to talk about Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is killing it. He is. Seth Rollins, again, we don't get that interaction between Seth and Roman, the old shield buddies. We still are keeping them away from each other, which I love. Mm-hmm. The more we can keep them away from each other, the better. There's plenty of backstory to go into later on down the road if we need to. I love that we're doing this whole, like, Roman won't acknowledge Cesaro. Because Roman's whole gimmick is that he wants everyone to acknowledge him as the head of the table, as the tribal chief, and the tribal chief will not acknowledge Cesaro. And I have a prediction later on as to, you know, what's going to be happening with Roman and Cesaro, but we have to get through the rest of this show. And the next part is... Nyan Shaner here on SmackDown. Great. So it's now, it's not a tag team match though. It's Nia Jax versus Tamina. For some reason, Reginald's back, but only on SmackDown, not on Raw. Mm -hmm. I, again, we've talked about this. I like Shayna Baszler. I don't care about Nia Jax. I do wish somebody else had these tag teams. I do not care about Tamina, though once again, they are pushing her. It's very interesting. I don't get it. Um, but I do love the off-screen drama that is going on with Nia Jax and Tamina. On all social media, Nia Jax is saying how she's the black sheep of the family, how her whole family just favors Tamina. Oh, we and... should probably say here that uh, Tamina and Nia are a part of the historic Samoan uh, dynasty, basically. Yes. The Samoan family, the Anawai family, uh, with Roman Reigns, with Nia and Tamina and... Uh, the Rock being the biggest one, Yokozuna from years ago. Uh, those they're all cousins, or in some way, on this Samoan family tree. Yes. So apparently, Tamina is favorite in the family over Nia Jax, and Nia Jax claims to be the black the black sheep of the family, and Tamina gets everything she wants, and making just spilling their family tea all over social media, which I love. I think this is great. If you're not watching that, you really don't know the buildup, though, on the show of Nia and Tamina. Like, we no. we do reference that they're cousins on the show, but you don't really see that, that off-screen stuff, and you don't... It makes the match less worthwhile. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't know that this was going on. I couldn't care less about Tamina versus Nia, and that's a problem that is on WWE. Yes. They're not giving us backstory as to why we should care. They're kind of leaving it up to the talent to do on social media, which I get as, like, a you want people to go search out that social media, but I'm just watching as a fan. I couldn't care less about this. And we keep... We saw Nia and Shayna on Raw, and Nia and Shayna lose, or 
Uh, and then, again, another loss here. Yes, yeah, so Shayna and Reggie both end up getting involved somehow and causing some interference, but it didn't work towards their advantage. Tamina ends up rolling Nia for the pin. And, or, I'm sorry, for the win. And now they've lost on both Raw and SmackDown. Yep. So maybe they're getting ready to drop these these titles. Yep. Um, that's what it looks like, at least, that... They're losing left and right. Nia's causing interference. That they're Shana... in multiple feuds, and yes. I and ne- none of them are interesting. They're in yeah. this. Nia's in a feud with Mandy and Dana on Raw, and then she's also in a feud with Tamina on SmackDown. Shayna doesn't look like she's involved in either one or cares no, about I either think one. That's why Shayna had this like, you better get your head in the game or else, because Nia is the reason that they keep losing. Yeah. So it's a good. It's a good in to get them to split up with Shayna being fed up. Yeah, Shayna needs to get out of this. Yes. Shayna can be used better than for where sure. she's being used now. And that's all we have for the women's tag titles this week. Uh, moving on to Kevin Owens. So Kevin Owens has a backstage promo where Biggie interrupts. Biggie wants his rematch against Apollo, but Kevin Owens is like, no, it's my turn. I'm going out right now. Kevin Owens versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship happens next. Sami Zayn comes out but doesn't interfere. Instead, he gets on commentary and just starts rooting for Apollo. We all know I love Sami Zayn. He's hilarious. Um, him rooting for Apollo is even funnier because he... It's spiteful. It's spiteful. He yeah. talks about how Kevin Owens stole Logan Paul from him, which, again, is hilarious had you seen it's a weird thing to say in 2021 it's, it's so interesting uh commander aziz interferes apollo rolls up kevin kevin owens ends up uh doing a stunner to apollo and then aziz hits kevin owens kevin owens is flat on his back in the <laughs> ring and in runs sammy Zayn and just starts dancing over him I love it. I love to say it. I love Sami Zayn. He's great. He's even better as a heel. I'm here for him. Yeah, Sami Zayn, the dancing was hilarious. Uh, if you follow us at HeBookShebook on Instagram, you saw us post uh, our rest, our episode two preview was just a picture of Sami Zayn dancing over Kevin Owens' body. Uh, Sami also has a shirt uh, for sale now on Pro Wrestling Tees, Sami for Syria. It's just a picture of, or multiple pictures of mm-hmm. him dancing. Uh, on this shirt uh, that he has for his own charity. Uh, I, I Whatever Sammy's doing right now, again, SmackDown is way more interesting. Oh, sh- for sure. Right now than Raw. Uh, SmackDown benefits from it being a two-hour show versus three-hour show. There's not as much fluff. There's not as much filler. But SmackDown, so far, is killing it way more so than Raw is because there just seems to be more week-to-week build. Yeah, moving on from that, cause it seems like we're still going with the Sami Zayn um, Kevin Owens feud. Apollo Cruz gets the win over Kevin Owens, but it looks like we're still doing Apollo Cruz versus Big E, which means again we're getting another rematch or another WrestleMania rematch at WrestleMania Backlash, which makes sense. It's not announced, but we assume after uh, Big E attacked Apollo backstage, that's where we're headed. Uh, and then we're going to get into a return, finally. A return of Aleister Black. I. I love him. I was so excited when this promo hit. He's so intriguing mm-hmm. and he's so powerful and such a great wrestler. And I'm excited to see him back in the ring. I can't wait to see who he feuds with first. Yeah, we um, we haven't seen Aleister Black in a while. Very long time. We do. We've heard rumors that he asked for his release around the time that Andrade did because he wasn't being used. Aleister's wife. Uh, formerly known as Zelina Vega in WWE, was released because she refused to give up her Twitch streaming. Uh, she shouldn't have had to, but yeah. No, she shouldn't have had to. That's no here uh, nor there. But Alistair looks like he's coming back. It looks like he's coming back with a story, with a gimmick, but I'm skeptical because we had these similar promos from Alistair last year where Alistair was looking for a fight, mm-hmm. right? He was looking for someone to knock on his door and fight him, and it never really led to anything. But these, uh, this promo for all you Harry Potter fans out there, this, uh, this like segment looked. It was a like cartoonish thing. It looked very much like the Deathly Hallows like cartoons that they had in the the last Harry Potter movie, where Alistair's talking about his father. Uh, 
it seems like Alistair is coming back as a heel because he seems to have disdain. The dragon. For, yeah. It seems like Alistair has disdain for us as fans mm-hmm. uh, and how we're gross or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Whatever gets us Alistair Black on the screen, hopefully he gets to keep his dope entrance and his awesome theme music. Oh, I'd be so upset if they changed his theme song. He is one of the best theme songs in the game. I, I would hate if they changed that. Yeah, so Alistair Black promo leads us into Ziggler and Rude backstage. A lot of backstage promos going on A this lot. week. A lot, mm-hmm. Uh, so basically Ziggler and Rude are just like, who's next? We need to find somebody to go next. And the Street Profits come out and they're like, hey, we want next. And Ziggler's like, no, you guys were already here. You can go to the back of the line. And before they can have any interaction to find out whether or not the Street Profits are going to get their rematch or somebody else is going to get a match with the tag titles before the tag titles. Yeah. Bailey interrupts. And they leave. The guys leave, and Bailey turns around, and she starts talking about how she wants Bianca at WrestleMania Backlash, and Bianca this, Bianca that, and somebody get Bianca back here and tell her what she's saying. Because Bianca hasn't been back since Mania. No. So we haven't seen Bianca. Well, no, no, no. no. So, she, she had that celebration last week. Right. She didn't have any interaction she with any of the women. She doesn't have any interaction. Yeah. So Bailey knows that Bianca's not here. She's talking a big game. And then Bianca's husband part of the Street Prophet, who had just walked away, Montez Montez Ford, Ford, walks up and is on the phone calling (laughs) Bianca. And he's just like, Bailey really has your name in her mouth tonight. And Bianca's like, I'll be right there. Commercial break, Bianca's here. Now, they just set up and announced that Bailey versus Bianca at WrestleMania Backlash. It could be interesting. She already had Sasha. We've already seen her versus Bailey before the Sasha and Bianca feud. So it's going to be interesting to see them again. And Bailey thinks, you know, she's going to win because Bailey is the perfect heel. I have one problem with this. And that is that you, as you mentioned, we've seen Bianca and Bailey already. Mm-hmm. Sasha's gone. She's kind of just, we haven't seen her. I don't believe uh, since WrestleMania, she had an interview and then like walked off because she was still upset. Yeah. We're doing Bianca and Bailey again. What? Where is the female roster for SmackDown? Where we don't have anybody else built up to face Bianca. So now we. it seems like we're just going to go to Bailey and then maybe again to Sasha. And, you know, the, the SmackDown women's roster, it seems to be missing something. And I don't know if that something has red hair. Mm. But I think there's got to be something's got to give here either we got to bring up people from nxt uh io shirai on nxt uh, she just lost the nxt women's championship to raquel gonzalez but she also said on nxt that she doesn't plan on leaving nxt for a while so i feel like we can count out her we can count out raquel gonzalez uh candice LeRae is doing great work with the way on nxt i don't know where we are in terms of like, the smackdown women's division it seems like everybody's kind of gunning for let's just pair off and go for the women's tag titles as opposed to the women's championship itself but yeah i'm fine with another bianca bailey match two of the best in the business it's going to be a good match regardless if we have like a real storyline coming out of it or not and we don't need a real good match we don't need it to be anything after this it's all right fill this spot put in a good match let's see what we can build up afterwards yeah and and honestly it probably will lead to a long reign for bianca which is good to help establish her as like the apex of the division but yeah i'm i'm concerned just as to the depth of the smackdown women's division in terms of like the singles titles but Mm -hmm. we can move on hopefully they figure something out there these tag titles in general men's and women's are both not interesting to me because we had Rey mysterio and his son dominic facing otis and chad gable who are also kind of just thrown together pairing they're known as the alpha academy now I like, I'm always going to like Rey Mysterio just from, you know, when I was a kid. Everybody loves Rey Mysterio. And they they touched on it on commentary that we've never had a father-son tag team champions. Yeah, and because of that, every time I see them wrestle together, I want them to win. Like, this match between the Mysterio tag team and Otis and Chad, the winner's going to face... Ziggler and Bobby Roode for the tag teams. And surprise, surprise, the Mysterios win. If this, if 
if this isn't just commentary telegraphing exactly what's going to happen where we get the Mysterios as tag champions, I don't know what we're doing because we have Dolph and Bobby Roode, the Dirty Dogs, as mm-hmm. they call themselves, as tag champions. They didn't even have a WrestleMania match. They yeah. they have been so irrelevant. Two great wrestlers, nothing against them. And it, like anything we say negative is not against the wrestlers themselves. Mm-hmm. It's against how they're being used, how they're yes. being booked, hence the name of the show. I, I'm, I have been giving no reason to care about Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, so I don't care about Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. I assume this leads to the Mysterios winning the tag titles at some point, whether that's next week, the week after, or a backlash. Uh, but we are going to move on to Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and Paul Heyman coming out uh, for, you know, the response to Cesaro's challenge. So when Roman comes out, he just takes up as much space as he possibly can every time he's in the room. He is the the big dog in the room. Uh, he comes out and starts naming himself as everything that he's ever been called. The head of the table, everybody needs to acknowledge him, blah, blah, blah. He gets in Cesaro's face saying how Cesaro just is not good enough and he doesn't get to issues the challenges here. The tribal chief issues the challenges. And the challenge for the title for next week is not for Cesaro. It's for Daniel Bryan. So here comes Roman Reigns, not accepting the challenge from Cesaro and instead just spitting in his face and saying, no, I want a Roman, I, I as Roman Reigns want to wrestle Daniel Bryan instead of you. Yeah, I get it from, because Roman sold it as, I don't like you. I've never liked you. Uh, I will never like you. And I, he wants to give Daniel Bryan one last shot. Mm-hmm. And he also, I guess we're going towards Roman facing Daniel, and if Daniel loses, he's gone from SmackDown. Was yes. the uh, was what Roman was saying? If you know this is your last chance, if you don't win, I never want to see you hanging around SmackDown again. Which is weird to set up as a SmackDown match and not a WrestleMania Backlash match. Which makes me believe that we're not going to get a clean finish to this match. Uh, somebody's going to interfere. Something's going to happen where maybe we get. Brian versus Roman at Backlash, mm-hmm. and the stipulation really is if Daniel Bryan loses, he's gone from SmackDown. Um, Raw could use some singles competitors, so I'd be fine with Daniel going over there or just taking time off to be with his family. Also, Edge, nowhere to be seen for two weeks now. Yeah, he is nowhere to be seen. So Cesaro, during all of this, turns to Daniel Bryan and just keeps saying, you have to take this, you have to. Just being such a good sport, such a perfect little baby face. Stand-up guy. Amazing. And, you know, Daniel Bryan, of course, accepts this challenge. And he's like, of course, I'll do this next week. And you're right. We have not seen Edge in a few weeks since WrestleMania. And there is a chance that during this match, Edge interferes to where it's not a clean match. And then it does have to go somewhere else. I mean, there's also the chance that Daniel Bryan wins this match. I mean, it's a very, very slim yeah. chance. But, you know, say he wins this match. Will Edge come out then? Will he turn around and be like, no, Cesaro's got the first shot at this title? There are so many opportunities and so many options, but we all know Roman's going to win this match. Yeah. Whether it be clean or not, Roman's going to win this match and set us up for WrestleMania backlash. Yeah, I think Roman Roman has to win this match. I do like the idea of Edge coming back and costing Daniel Bryan the match and his career on SmackDown. Yes. Um, I do like the idea of Cesaro continuing his feud with Seth, get him maybe another clean win over Seth at Backlash, because it just seems, it seems like we're just doing the same card over again. Uh, I think that's kind of why they changed the name to WrestleMania Backlash yeah. this year. It's we're just going to do rematches and finish out the storyline that we couldn't at Mania. Cesaro is the most intriguing thing to me about SmackDown. Uh, as much as Roman's killing it, as much as you know, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns on SmackDown next week for the title is going to be a great match. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll get plenty of time. the The storyline just is. It seems to be more revolves around Cesaro. Yeah. And which is great. And Cesaro deserves it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Seth wasn't a part of the final segment. I don't know where he's going. We, you know, we saw him walk out on Jay. Uh, I don't know if he'll face repercussions from Roman or Jay because of that. 
Maybe we get like Seth versus Cesaro versus Jay at Backlash. Uh, but either way, if we can continue to hype up Cesaro and get him into the main event title picture, SmackDown benefits from it. For sure. Because we don't have a lot of baby faces that can take on Roman Reigns. And when you look at the two together, like when you look at Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan face to face, Roman Reigns has like a full head of height over oh, top yeah. of, of Daniel Bryan. He towers over Daniel Bryan. Cesaro is taller than Roman Reigns. Yeah. Cesaro was built like a Greek god. It just. That by itself, it looks like a real marquee main event match. And we're going to get it at some point. I'm pretty sure of it. How we get there, uh, I have ideas uh, that we'll cover probably next week on our, uh, you know, we're not doing a full-blown Money in the Bank preview next week. We'll probably do that in a few weeks after Backlash. But I do want to start getting some ideas. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view will be the next one after uh, WrestleMania Backlash. Usually about six superstars will be in a ladder match uh, with the briefcase hanging over top of the ring. Inside of that briefcase is a contract for a title match at any time that they choose. Okay, and usually we get like a surprise cash in like after a match, uh, like how The Miz did it this year, where Drew McIntyre goes to this grueling match, Miz comes out, um, and then just beats the hell out of Drew McIntyre, who's already basically dead, pins him for the championship. Um, We do a men's and female version of that. Um, Last year, we had Otis win. Horrible. What a flop. Yeah. Uh, And then we had Asuka win, and then it turned out that Becky was pregnant. Asuka gets handed the title instead of a contract. That was one of the cooler, like, accidental things that's happened in wrestling. Uh, Like an accidental booking. Because it was definitely Asuka was supposed to win, you know, the Money in the Bank, and then we find out Becky's pregnant. It's like, hey, instead of, you know, a title match, how about just, you just the, get title? the title? Yeah. Uh, but Money in the Bank, one of the best pay per views coming up. Uh, WrestleMania Backlash is in three weeks. That's SmackDown, guys. That's the whole week covered some big releases. We covered Raw, we covered SmackDown, we hit a little bit on uh, NXT. We do want to start getting into AEW a little bit more. We have the big Blood and Guts pay-per-view coming up soon. We have tonight, this is taped on Sunday, Kenny Omega, the AEW champion versus Rich Swan, the TNA champion, in a title versus title match. That obviously has some big implications just for two different companies to be putting their champions head-to-head up against each other. All that and more will be covered next week on the He Book, She Book Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at HeBookSheBook. And don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Monday to HeBookSheBook wherever you get your podcasts.